My name is Nick Morocco, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Tiger whip, scores! Fidel scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Back-to-back saves by Nick Morocco! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. So we're here with Nick Morocco, starting goaltender for the Boston Cannons, 2019 Dave Huntley Man of the Year recipient and author of Lacrosse the Globe. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Now we're glad that you could uh, join us. Uh, um, we really appreciate you coming on, especially someone of uh, you know your caliber and winning you know the Dave Huntley Man of the Year award. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But let's start at the beginning. You grew up in Duxbury, Mass, and picked up the game of lacrosse at a very young age. Tell me how you first got started. What made you fall in love with the game of lacrosse? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I grew up in Duxbury, started playing at a really young age. My sisters, um, who are eight and nine years older than me, they both played lacrosse, went on to play at uh, University of Richmond. So basically as, as uh, you know, right when I was able to walk, they threw a stick in my hands. And uh, after that, I kind of just never stopped and eventually got to the point where they threw me in in the goal in the backyard, and, um, you know, I was able to to deal with the pain of getting hit with shots early on. So after a while, stuck with it and, you know, just began to love the game, loved how fast-paced it was, and, you know, I just never stopped. And uh, I was able to play, you know, in a town where it was, it was really big, especially in Massachusetts. So it was um, kind of a tradition in Duxbury to – you know, play the sport, and that made me even more so attracted to it and had some really good mentors along the way. That's awesome. It's funny you mentioned being the youngest getting thrown in that. I feel like if we did a poll of how many goaltenders were the youngest in their family and that's how they got started, I'm sure it'd be pretty high. I feel like that's a common occurrence for for. Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) So... Um, but following, you know, your high school career, you attended Georgetown University, where you're a four-year starter, named first-team USILA All-American in 2018. What influenced your decision to play college lacrosse at Georgetown? Yeah, so, I mean, when I was going through the process, for me, I wanted to go to a school where, one, I mean, it had a, you know, great lacrosse program, of course, because I was trying to play lacrosse there, but, uh, you know, a really important thing for me was to go to a school that had great academics. Um, I wanted to, to go into business. So I, I in New Georgetown, had a great business school. And obviously just as, you know, going into Georgetown itself, it was, a, it was an awesome school. Um, so being able to help get myself into a school like that through lacrosse was, was important to me. And I wanted to, you know, be able to leverage that and, and hopefully do things that weren't really, you know, I did well in, in high school, but maybe it was a little bit of a reach for me. So, um, you know, that was important to me. But then once I actually went went out and visited Georgetown, I fell in love with it. I loved, you know, just the, the you know, the team chemistry there. From what I heard was, was, was great. And the direction that the coaches were bringing it was awesome. And also just like the fact that I could take a program that used to be extremely good in lacrosse and that was kind of lacking for a few years and, and kind of build something from the bottom up again was, was big for me. I've always kind of saw myself as a little bit of an underdog and, you know, whether that was in high school, college, post-college, um, always, you know, 
and pushing to prove myself to people, and I really like that, and that also was a big motivator for me in college. You know, I like the, the underdog mentality, and you kind of had to bring that, too, in your first rookie season um, when you joined the Cannons in the MLL. You received an opportunity to play for your hometown team, which must have been exciting, uh, but what was it like playing for the Boston Cannons organization in that first year as a rookie? It was awesome. It really was. It was amazing. I mean, um, I didn't get drafted in the beginning, so I was I was not super happy about that. And then when Coach Quirk gave me a call and you know gave me that opportunity to play in Boston, I was super appreciative of him giving me that shot and him believing in me. And then you know just being able to play for Boston and being back home was was super special. It was it was really awesome to be able to have. All my buddies, my whole family come out to games. So I took, I take a lot of pride in that, and I think that's a big reason why I've, you know, been really motivated on the field and off the field. But honestly, it was it was a really crazy experience. And when I first started playing, it, it was a little, a little intimidating, and I don't get – I usually don't get nervous when I play. But my first game was – I was a little bit nervous. Um, but I think that just kind of showed how, you know, important it was for me to be playing – with, uh, you know, the name of Boston on, on, on my jersey. And, you know, since then it's been it's been just been a pleasure to play with all these guys and, and have Coach Quirk, um, you know, like I said, be a guy who has trusted me along the way and kind of just trying to grow this organization and bring back a trophy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you made tremendous strides, uh, from your rookie season only appearing in four games to being the starting netminder in 2019, first full season as a starter, um, you know, how you helped lead this team to a playoff berth. And um, I remember when I was talking to Adam, you know, we, we looked at this Cannes team, and other than, I think, a, a blowout loss to the Outlaws, you guys never lost by more than two or three goals. It was the differential. You guys were very consistent, probably one of the most consistent teams in the league this season. Um, and I think that's a testament to, you know, the defense that was around you and your presence in cage. Um, I think, you know, it, it showed the season. But what was it like making that transition from only appearing in four games to being the starting goaltender in your second season? Yeah, I mean, it was – it was. Um, I mean, honestly, after those four games, I, I felt pretty confident, um, you know, because obviously we were playing against some, some very talented players. So I felt, I felt good about it after that. Um you know, just kind of getting adjusted from college to pros is a big difference, I think, just in the sense that you're playing against guys who can all shoot where pretty much wherever they want, and you can't really scout one player. Um, we do obviously scout scout guys and scout teams because we have to, but it's, really, it's different from college where you can, you know, go into a week being like, all right, this one guy or these two guys are the threat are the big threats offensively. Let's you know, try to not shut them off, but let's push push them a little bit, a little bit more than the other guys. Um, and that's just tough in college. I mean, in pros, where every guy can sling it, and every guy can shoot from all over the field. So, just getting adjusted to that and the pace of play was was uh, a tough in the beginning. But after my four games, I felt pretty confident, and I knew that I I uh, you know I could step it up big time and improve my game and and the good thing is I I think I'm still, you know, figuring out a few things and always trying to tweak a few a few um things in my game here and there. I don't, I don't think I've reached my full potential. Um I mean I'm pretty tough on myself, but uh, yeah, no. You know, every year I think 
we get better and you know every game you're in the league you learn learn a few things from other guys and from your coaches so uh, i'm just trying to build off of that yeah no absolutely and like i said it was a disappointing finish falling to the outlaws but you guys showed a lot of resilience down the stretch and i think you guys are poised to really you know make another uh run at the championship next year um what are your hopes for next season and what are you doing in the off season to get ready for next year yeah, I mean, next year, obviously, the goal is to win a championship, and I honestly think we, you know, we had a couple of guys get hurt in our semifinal game, and we all thought we should have been in that championship game, so that was obviously a bummer, but our, our goal is definitely next year to win, and I don't think anyone on our team thinks otherwise, um, so so that's that's in our minds right now, and as far as the off season goes, just, you know, took, take a little took a little time off. Um, past few weeks just to, you know, rest, rest the body and, you know, cause it is a, a long summer, but, uh, now just trying to get, get back into working out and, and trying to build some muscle up, maybe, um, put on a little bit of, a little bit of, um, muscle in the off season and go into it and obviously adjusting my game a little bit. Um, you know, after playing a full one full season in the MLL, I definitely want to change a few things in my game. Not really, um, as far as, you know, how I play, but mm-hmm. just, like, flexibility and, and all that fun stuff. Um, so, goalies are weird, but we have our we have our things we have to do in order to get ready. Yeah, no, you guys are a breed of your own. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's transition a little bit to the off-the-field stuff. Um, following the season, you're awarded the Dave Huntley Man of the Year Award, uh, which is given to the individual who demonstrated outstanding sportsmanship, professionalism, and service to his community. Uh, you did a lot of work in the community with the youth lacrosse programs and the Cannons Foundation, particularly as the main spokesperson for Cannons Fighting Cancer Initiative, which raised more than $100,000 for Boston Children's Hospitals. Um, what was it like winning that award, and how has the Cannons organization helped you, you know, reach these areas in the community? Um, and, and how important do you think it is for a team like the Cannons to be embedded in the community? Yeah, I mean, first off, it was a tremendous honor to win that award, obviously. Dave Huntley has done so much for the game and, and so much for, you know, lacrosse community itself. So I was, you know, honestly truly honored about that. And there were some other other people in the MOL who were also um, doing great things in their respective communities too. But I think, you know, being on the Cannons has been awesome just in the sense that they have enabled me and enabled all, you know, everyone who wants to to do so much within the community and off the field. Um, and for me, just coming from, you know, the Boston area, um, like I said, I take a lot of pride in that. And I remember myself being a little kid going to games and looking up to these guys and, and being able to give back in any way I can has been, um, you know, a big motivator of mine. I obviously, I have my goals on the field and like I said, want to win a, uh, a trophy, want to do things personally on the field, but, um, a big motivation of mine has been trying to, you know, impact as many people as I can off the field, whether they're involved in lacrosse or not. Um, you know, we've been able to do a lot of clinics during the season um, that have been huge for for um, the Boston Cannons, and I think that's, you know, one of the ways you can grow the game is trying to be able to connect with people in your respective um your respective community, especially for Boston and now being in Quincy and, you know, all the Quincy youth kids are coming to our games and 
and trying to get involved in meeting us after games or getting autographs. And I think that's been huge for for the Canons organization. But like I said, if you know if we can impact a small group of kids and, and want them to potentially play at the pro level someday, I think that's a win in our book. Um, and then aside from that, I mean, if you know, we, we did a lot to raise money for the Boston Children's Hospital. We raised about a hundred thousand dollars this year, and and being involved in that is has been an honor. And you know, being able to impact people, like I said, off, off the field and not just in lacrosse. Um, has been super inspirational for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love how you talk about making an impact. Um, and, and taking that a little bit further, you, you have a lot of great ideas, too, on how we can grow this game. Um, I recently read your book uh, that you wrote, Across the Globe. Uh, I think you wrote that in 2017, which lays out some ideas on how we can grow the game on a global scale. Um, before we get into the details of the book, though, tell me what influenced you to write this book and publish it. Yeah, so I... Uh... At Georgetown, I took a entrepreneurship class and honestly didn't really know what to expect going into it. Um, it was an elective class and looked really interesting, but didn't exactly know what that would entail. Me and a couple of my friends on my team and obviously a bunch of other people took the course and we went into it. And first day, our professor, he was like, all right, um, this is what we're going to do. You guys are going to be writing a book. And we're like, oh, what what's going on? What time we're taking an entrepreneurship class? Um, so I think every one of my teammates besides myself dropped the class right away, and and I think a good portion of the class did the same. But I decided I was like, all right, this is pretty interesting. I think I could handle this. And again, didn't really know what that meant that I'd be writing a book. But at the end of the day, he was like, all right, I want you guys to pick something that is meaningful to you, um, that you find interesting, and you're going to write about it. And we're going to try to turn this into a book. And obviously we we included a lot of entrepreneurship concepts around the course, surrounding the book. But um, at the end of the day, I was like, all right, I obviously play lacrosse. I'm playing in college right now. Um, and I was also super interested in just, you know, the idea of lacrosse being a way for kids in other countries who, you know, don't have maybe the privileges that we have of having this sport in their life, how could that impact them? And that doesn't really mean on the field, but more so, like, how does it impact their life off the field? And mm-hmm. and how could this game, because I know, obviously, there's other, other sports out there that have done it, how can that, you know, change these communities and, and, and create better opportunities for people? Um, so I did a lot of research in different nonprofits um, and try to create some sort of you know, guideline of how essentially we could take concepts in other sports and, and build that up into a global game that could obviously be great for the sport across, but also just help these communities and, and in these other other cities and countries. Um, so it was, it was honestly super interesting for me to to be able to research all of this and um, you know, a full semester of college and, and be able to be playing college lacrosse and also be writing this book about lacrosse and and I learned I learned a lot along the way and, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, no, it was a great read and um I I think you really took, you know, the, the slogan that's thrown around all the time, grow the game, you really took that and you know, put in some practical ways that we can do that. I liked how after each chapter you kinda of highlighted some ways um to, you know, we could actually 
implement these things because we, we throw around that buzzword a lot and it's important, you know, we do want to grow this sport, but uh, we got to look at it from a practical view. And I like how, you know, you, you took the influence from um, other sports and how they were able to grow the game. You know, you talk about the, the Russian, uh, the Russians building, you know, a, a hockey program from scratch and how they became, you know, the best in the world. So yeah, I really enjoyed it, you know, and let's talk about a little bit more about those details. I mean, when you were younger and watching the 2000 Olympics, you said you were shocked to find out that lacrosse wasn't an Olympic sport. Um, and then in the book, you paint a picture of, uh, you know, a lacrosse world championship featuring Kenya and Japan in 2030, and then later, you know, Russia versus the USA in the 2032 Olympics. Um, you know, the current reality is that only the U.S. and Canada have won a world championship since the first one in 1967. So what are some things that need to happen in these next 10 years to kind of achieve your vision for lacrosse, and what are some hurdles that the lacrosse community needs to overcome? Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough to, you know, predict exactly because, you know, as you've seen in the game of lacrosse, even in the past year, year and a half, so much has changed, um, which is great. I mean, it's awesome for the sport, and there's a lot of, you know, backlash from different people, and everyone has their opinion on it. But, you know, at the end of the day, if the sport's growing and getting attention, that's awesome. Um, I think, you know, in order for it to be a sport like like hockey or, you know, I think hockey's a great example because they obviously it's played all over, all over the globe. Um you know, I think more people need to get a stick in their hands in different countries. And right now, I'd say the hurdle for that is the cost. It's just it's tough for these these kids and maybe who aren't super wealthy to be able to to buy all this equipment and set up these programs. Um, so yeah, definitely getting sticks in in kids' hands is huge. And there are now you know programs that are doing that, which is amazing. I think that's you know number one. That's key. Because um, without that, you, you really can't build something just in, in, you know, in on the east coast of America. Or obviously, it's growing more now. But um, mm-hmm. definitely getting a, a stick in a kid's hands, even just one kid growing the game as much as you can through that is 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 huge. Um, other than that, though, I mean, like you know, it's predicting ten years from now a little tough to do, but. Mm-hmm. I, I think as much impact we can have on a global on a global scale is awesome, and obviously that starts here where the game's the biggest in America. And now that it's starting to to you know get some presence and and people are starting to talk about it, I think it's awesome. There are people who who are throwing backlash at you know obviously professional cross now has gone through a lot, but the fact that in my opinion, obviously I'm playing in the MLL, but um, you know, the fact that this sport is, is being talked about that much is awesome. And when we look back at it in five years, we're going to be like, okay, there's a lot of quote-unquote stuff going on in, in, in the mm-hmm. game. But we're going to be like, okay, that probably did push it forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of us, some people being negative about it now, they can look at it and be like, okay, that was a good thing. And now we're in a better place than we were five years ago. Um, so, you know, I think just when we have people – like these guys in these nonprofits who are are pushing the game forward and are trying to trying to ignore that negativity, you know, it's only gonna uh, improve the game. Um, but yeah, for me, you know, personally, I try to I try to um, you know just it starts on a on a small scale in a place like Quincy, and if I'm in a if I'm in a community in Boston where I can help. I'm going to, you know, try to get more sticks in kids' hands. Uh, we were at actually the ski expo with the Cannons, um, and 
kids are coming up to us who are like baseball players and or who have never touched a cross stick in their life, and we're like, oh, can I try this out? Mm-hmm. And we're just throwing around with them, and they're like, oh, okay, I like this, maybe I'll try it. So, you know, even just a little, little stuff like that makes a huge difference. Yeah, no, you're right. Just even growing on a micro level can lead to that macro level growth. And um, and I, I think too, like you said, even though it, you know the your vision for lacrosse may be a little lofty uh, in the next ten years, it's I think important to still have that end state in mind and have you know a vision of where we want the game to be anyway. Even if we don't reach it in ten years, you know maybe that's where we see in fifteen, twenty years. So um, I just I don't know. I really like that because I think that was the first um you know, idea that I really heard, tangible idea that someone has really thrown out. You know, it's like, I, I know we talk about getting in the Olympics, but, you know, you took it even further and you're like, you want to see teams that are underrepresented in the lacrosse community take that next step and make it to a championship. So, you know, I, I enjoyed that. Even if you, you think, you know, it's a little lofty, it's, I think, well worth us having that vision. So, I don't know. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And I think it's definitely, you know, feasible for to to think that you know other countries might get there someday. I mean, mm-hmm. I have buddies right now who who are playing out in Australia, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's not like a a pro league out there or anything. But the fact that they're able to go to a place like Australia and play lacrosse is awesome. And obviously, their international their um, international team has done pretty well. And, and mm-hmm. seeing that as a you know a pretty promising thing. Obviously, you can't just say one country like that will dictate how everything's going to go but mm-hmm. like you said if you know it grows on a, a small scale and keeps going and that's you know that's a start yep no, absolutely so everyone if you get a chance uh check out nick's book uh across the globe you can get it on amazon um, but that wraps up our main questions we're going to take a quick break here for a word from our sponsor and then we'll dive into our five and five segment Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, welcome back. Uh, so now it's time to do our five and five segment. We'll start with the lacrosse questions. Uh, the first one I'll ask you, Nick, is who's a player that you looked up to and tried to mimic when you were young? Um, I would say two people. Uh, I loved Scotty Rogers when I was growing up. I thought he was a, obviously a beast, and uh, you know he had a presence in the net. For me now, I try to be jumpy and flamboyant in the net, and you know I like to be, get excited when I can. So that was a big inspiration for me and the other one is Tillman Johnson and uh he was my goalie coach in high school so you know I really uh I looked up to him playing all through high school and he honestly made me uh the player I am today 
Awesome. That's great. Um, number two, what are some pregame superstitions or routines that you have? Oh, man. I mean, these change every year. Uh, I used to, honestly, this is probably going to be a little psycho, but I used to listen to uh, rap music, and I'd fall asleep with my Beats headphones on, and it was like my music was blaring, and my, my roommate thought I was psycho. But, yeah, I used to do that before every single, every, uh, every game, the night before a game. Now I just, I'm not as superstitious now, but I usually go in front of a mirror before a game and pretend like I'm making every save so I can picture it before I get out there. Awesome. Number three, uh, which one of your Canons teammates do you find the funniest? <laughs> um, God, let's see. can be more than one, too, if there's a few. The The one that pops in my head first is Justin Fugel. He's an absolute character, and he's, like, the most – he's humongous, so I feel like it makes him funnier, too. Yeah, he really entertains himself, and uh, for coming in as a rookie, he was was right in the mix and uh, was not afraid to open his mouth at all in a good way. That's great. That's funny. Um, Number four, what is your current lacrosse stick set up? Uh, in terms of shaft and what goalie head do you use? And then, um, yeah, what what are you using these days? Uh, no preference on the shaft, but uh, using MV3, I hadn't used it. So before this year, I hadn't used a warrior head until I used to use it in, like, middle school, loved it, and then switched it up. And now back on the warrior and MV3, was hesitant. I don't like to switch my heads very often, but <laughs> went to it, tried it out, and loved it. Uh, so I've been using that for a while now, not opposed to changing it up, but uh, it's been working for the past year. So going with that, as far as mesh goes, not a huge preference, but my guy Lars, he strings all my sticks and absolutely crushes it. We went with, we went with the, um, most of the year, we went, actually all year, we went with a red, white, and blue mesh. Mm-hmm. So trying to be a little flashy with it, have fun with it. But, yeah, large strings on my sticks. Cool. That's great. Um, we'll have to maybe throw up a, a picture of it, too, or whatever. Oh, yeah. I'll send you one over. Maybe, yeah, do like a what's in my gear bag type of segment. But, yeah, we'll yeah. have to do that. Um, final lacrosse question. What has been your favorite venue to play at? I know you guys switched venues this year, too, to uh, Veterans Stadium in Quincy. So I don't know if that's. Kind of up there or Georgetown? Honestly, I love our stadium now. I like the environment there. I think it's great in Quincy. But my first game out in Denver was probably my – it was the 4th of July game two years ago. Oh, yeah. And I think that was the best venue I played in. There was like 30,000 people there. And it was was just like a sick environment. I got absolutely lit up, but – uh, it was super cool and obviously my first game, so I'd probably got to say there. Yeah, no, that's always a great game. Um, I always enjoy when they do that. Uh, and I feel like it's always, you know, usually a pretty uh, chippy competitive one, too. I don't know, something that's oh, for sure. Cool up, but, uh, yeah, that's a great one. But I also think uh, um, at Denver, University of Denver, um, in college was unreal. They They sold it out every time. And the students would get so hyped and would cheer us so much, but I thought it was hilarious and awesome. That's great. Um, now let's go to the off the field questions. 
Um, since you're from the Boston area, what is your favorite place to go in Boston? I uh, oh definitely definitely North End. Um, that's my go-to spot mm-hmm. as far as food. I can't go there too much, or else that would be a thousand pounds. But <laughs> um, Saracino's in North End is amazing. Highly recommend it. Um, but honestly, you can't go wrong with any of the places if you walk into that area. All right. I'll have to definitely make a note of that. I've only been to Boston, I think, twice or whatever, uh, once recently, so I'll have to go back. Oh, man, you got to. I know, I know. I'm a a D.C. Metro guy, and now I'm living in New Jersey, so I'm not too far. It's about like a three- or four-hour drive. It's definitely doable for a fun weekend. Yeah, catch catch a Cannons game, hit the North End. Sure. No, yeah, we... We weren't able to make one this year, but we're definitely uh, Adam and I have some plans to to make it to more games next year. A lot of them we just watching, but yeah. yeah. For sure. um, number two, what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not on the lacrosse field? Uh, when I'm not on lacrosse field, let's see. I haven't been haven't been able to much in the past year, but uh, I used to love boating, fishing. Uh, that was big for me. Uh, other than that, uh, big movie guy, um, huh? and just hang out with my friends, exploring, uh, travel when I can, but haven't had a lot of time to do that. All right, awesome. Uh, number three, who is your favorite non-lacrosse athlete to watch? Right now, I, I would say Rob Gronkowski. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, right, I'm a huge, I'm a big hockey guy. I uh, love the Bruins, so I think. I would say Charlie McAvoy and Pasternak are my are my top top players right now. So I love seeing them. I go to a lot of Bruins games, so yeah. those are my two. Yeah, no, I, I figured uh, Pasta might be on your list. I'm glad you didn't say Marshan. I'm not a huge fan of him. But you're uh, not? Why? Too is he? Is he? Uh, too uh, um, he is. He's, he's a man though. <laughs> he's good. You love him. You love him if he was on your team. That that line is ridiculous. I probably would if he was on my team. <laughs> I'm a Caps fan, so I don't have oh, man. for the the Bruins, but it's uh, definitely not not my team. But right, fair, fair. <laughs> number four, what is your favorite meal, and do you prefer to dine out, take out, or cook at home? Number one, chicken parm. Um, I'm Italian, so gotta have my Italian food. Yeah. That's my pregame meal too, um, the night before game, and probably gotta go take out for that one. All right. Or dine out, dine out either way. Yeah, what's a good spot that you usually go to for your chicken parm in Boston? Uh, Saracino's is great chicken parm. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of like, yeah, probably Saracino's. That's my. That's probably got to be it. Cool. All right, my final one is: What's a book on your bookshelf that you've read or are reading right now that you'd recommend to a teammate or a friend? Um, I would say, Never Split the Difference. Okay. Who wrote that? Like Chris Voss. Okay. Great right. book. Highly right. recommend it. Good for, you know, business world, but also, honestly, just life and sports, too. All right. No, I'll just definitely have to check it out. I wish Adam was on. Adam, um, I read a good amount, but Adam is like, he reads everything. I don't think, I think he's maybe had like two or three books that guests have recommended that he hasn't read. Really? So he's yeah. he's, he's, he's read them all. He does a lot of traveling too, so he does a lot of audio books. But uh, yeah, I wonder if he's heard of that one. If not, then it's another recommendation for him. So we. All right, nice. You gotta let me know if he, if he yeah. has or not. For sure. 
Um, and then just to wrap it up, we like to end with one final question. Um, you know, you're, you're once a young athlete yourself, and now you're you're playing now you're playing pro lacrosse. Um, what is some advice that you have for a young player looking to one day play professional lacrosse? Yeah, um, I would say you know the most cliche answer is put in the extra work when no one else is is watching. Um, in college, me and um, one of my teammates who was at the, through a senior when I was a freshman, Joe Bucci, we would always have a, a Sunday club, go out and get shots um, in the off season too. So that was huge for me. I think even as a young guy. Um, coming in and being able to have someone like him take me under under his wing and, and try to get some shots and get acclimated to that game. But I would say the other one is just get out of your comfort zone. Um, I think that's huge is just not being afraid to be, you know, uncomfortable out in the field. Um, you know, be a vocal guy, even if you're not a, a hugely vocal person mm-hmm. off the field and, and just don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. That's what sports are for. You're supposed to, you know, play to have fun, but also, not be afraid to, to be a little bit of a different person when, when you're playing the game versus when you're off the field. Um, and then number three, just have fun with it. Uh, it only lasts so long, whether that's playing college or if you get a chance to play pro. So just have fun with it and enjoy it while it lasts. Awesome. No, I love that. Um, that's great. Um, Nick, this has been awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, mostly you can find me on Instagram, which is Nick Morocco one, um, and my Twitter is on the rocks. Not on Twitter as much, but yeah, you can find me on there. Awesome. Well, thanks, Nick, for joining us. Uh, congrats again on a terrific season with the Cannons and winning the Dave Huntley Man of the Year award. And we're looking forward to you know watching you with the Cannons next year. Awesome. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me on. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave us a review on Apple, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media at Pro Lacrosse Talk or visit our website, ProLacrosseTalk.com. Uh, and finally, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today.